This episode is sponsored by Code Health. Code connects healthcare providers to the largest community of medical coding professionals in the country with over 4,600 domestic certified coders. As a single stop for all coding needs, Code's on-demand model has solved for daily staffing challenges and coding inefficiencies by allowing providers to access the right coder at the right time while gaining insights to better manage their coding operations. To learn more about Code, visit CodeHealth.com, that's K-O-D-E Health.com, or email Code directly at partnerships at CodeHealth.com. Hello, and welcome to Voice Hey, Erica, do you want to hear a joke? Uh, I would love to. Just give me a minute, please. Hello, and welcome to Voices in Healthcare Finance. I'm Erica Grotto. I'm going to tell you my joke right now. Why do dragons sleep during the day? Uh, Jennifer, I will get to you in just a minute. Listeners, I apologize for the disruption here. Let me start over. Hello, and welcome to Voices in Healthcare Finance. I'm Erica Grotto. Today's episode, if you couldn't tell, is about disruption. Today on the podcast, Chad Mulvaney, Director of Healthcare Finance Policy, Perspectives and Analysis for HFMA, shares insights on recent developments in consumerism and healthcare market disruption. In our Fast Five segment, we'll tell you how empowered consumers can disrupt the industry. All that is coming up after the news. This is Rich Daly, Senior Writer and Editor for HFMA, with your Healthcare Finance News Minute. In our first news item, a bipartisan group of policy advocates recently urged Congress to target hospitals as part of a highly anticipated legislative push during this Congress to cut health care costs. Scholars from the American Enterprise Institute and the Brookings Institution urged Congress to take steps that included targeting M&A activity, eliminating any willing provider rules that govern network participation, and requiring payer-provider contracts to eliminate surprise bills. In other news, Medicare emergency department patients have gotten sicker in recent years, according to a new analysis of healthcare coding trends. As a result, national ED coding guidelines may be needed, said the Congressional Advisory Panel that conducted the analysis. And finally, providers and health plans have found some success and identified new challenges in their efforts to better engage patients as consumers who are willing to choose care based on price and quality. That, according to new research. Success stories included Sutter Health's patient portal, which researchers found was used by 79% of patients seeking ambulatory care, far beyond the low engagement typical of many patient portals. For more details on these and other healthcare finance news developments, check out our daily news page at hfma.org forward slash news. Seeking a promotion? Motivation for your team? HFMA online education and certification programs may be the answer. Discuss your objectives with a professional development specialist today by emailing careerservices at hfma.org or learn more at hfma.org slash promote yourself. Thanks for joining us today on the Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast. Joining us is Chad Mulvaney, Director of Healthcare Finance Policy, Perspectives and Analysis. Chad will share some insights on recent developments in consumerism and healthcare market disruption. Thanks for joining us today, Chad. Thank you, Rich. It's great to be here talking with you. So there's been a a lot of recent news on new types of healthcare market entrants uh, over the last few months and last few years. 
Can you tell us a little bit about why business models of health systems in particular are at heightened risk for disruption over the coming years? Yeah, you know, Rich, it's as we see the new entrants and we think about kind of where they could gain a foothold, I think it all goes back to the amount of time it takes to get an appointment to access a traditional healthcare delivery system. And recently, data from Alterm just released last week came out and showed that wait times for appointments haven't improved in 11 years. So now it's estimated that between travel, the actual time to deliver care, that it takes a combined 76 minutes to get care on average. And it starts to become a pretty significant burden. And the estimated economic cost of that is somewhere around $89 billion annually. So most people don't have that. And then when you sort of layer in the, the transaction friction and some of the issues that providers encounter when revenue cycles aren't patient friendly. So on the billing side, you start to build up all of these dissatisfiers that leave people searching for, a, for an alternative. Along those lines, then, there are a lot of different ways that providers uh, and others can respond to that disruption. What strategies are you seeing health systems pursue to ensure that they remain competitive? You know, I think the obviously a lot of systems are focusing on consumerism and making themselves more consumer centric. However, when you look at survey data from Kaufman Hall and their state of consumerism report this year, we actually found that very few providers were doing or very few systems were actually doing anything meaningful. Based on their best estimate, it was something along the lines of, I think, 64% were actually not doing anything more than nibbling around the edges. So when you think about what health systems maybe aren't doing as aggressively in consumerism, it leads you to realize that really the primary strategy that they're using to secure their market share and try to grow it against other systems and also new entrants is physician employment. And so... When you think about that, and it was interesting, Merrick Hawkins released data, I guess, last week showing that the average hospital makes about $4.2 million yearly, and a lot of that revenue was driven by primary care physicians. The primary care physicians were generated nine times their average salary, which was the largest sort of spread of income generated over salary compared to other specialties. And so as you think about potentially new entrants peeling people off, Really, if I think about the mechanism for disruption, it's going to be through sort of intervening in between the traditional access points to the healthcare delivery system, which is the primary care provider. So that's what some are trying, but uh, are, are those strategies of health systems sufficient? Probably not. As I just sort of alluded to, when you think about the new competitors coming in and the new options, one of the common elements in these business models is that they're using technology or a more convenient access point to insert themselves between the patient and a traditional primary care provider. And then that, obviously, once you insert yourself in between the primary care provider, that sort of starts to disrupt referral networks. So all of the other specialists that you've employed, you know, it certainly lowers your likelihood of even getting the referral, much less, you know, if someone doesn't enter your system, how can you air quote keep them? So what are some examples of business models that you expect to challenge health systems for patients or customers? You know, the last time we chatted, we talked a little bit about CBS and that, and I think that's one approach. But certainly another is really tied to a more virtual strategy. 
So one example that we saw last week was Doctor on Demand. They've launched a new virtual care platform for health plans and employers aimed at expanding access to primary care. And what I think is unique about this platform, which is called Synapse, is it actually integrates the health plan's existing network to provide the full range of health and wellness services. And it also has a virtual medical record that in theory follows the patient around. And to me, that's one of the things that differentiates this as it allows the patient to aggregate their data and have a one-stop shop as long as they stay within the plan's network. So all the records follow them. The other piece of it is, is that at least in theory, or at least as it's being built, this platform will help minimize the risk of surprise bills because you're, you know, in theory being referred within the network. The other thing that I would imagine, though, the information that I was able to find didn't specifically say it, is as the virtual primary care provider is referring, making a referral for specialty services, I would assume that some part of the algorithm is going to be based on location, based on the quality of the provider being referred to, but then also the cost. And I would suspect that cost would be calculated based on both the per unit reimbursement and how efficiently the specialist in which the referral is going to is delivering care. So there's a possibility that as a health system, you get completely carved out of this referral loop that, you know, 10 years ago, you would have been sitting squarely in the middle of. So that's what the disruptors are doing. But if you're a health system, what do you do to ensure you have a competitive offering in the market? So if I'm an incumbent health system, I I think I first and foremost focus on improving the experience or the consumer experience of care. And certainly this includes providing easy, open access to clinicians, either through brick and mortar clinics or partnering with someone like Doc on Demand or even partnering with urgent care centers if you don't have them or sort of that that network is already built out in the market and there's not an opportunity for you to do that. And certainly organizations like New York Presbyterian have been incredibly progressive about investing in either building out telehealth capabilities or partnering to get them. The other piece of that is also through all of these platforms, I make sure I've got frictionless scheduling so that people can do it off the phone, do it off the app, and they only have to set something up once so they don't have to continually enter their information. You know, I'd also focus on the patient financial experience of care. So the things that HFMA covers in its dollars and cents work. So making sure that you can provide reasonably accurate price estimates for services. And that's certainly something that this platform Synapse is going to be doing. You make sure that when patients enter your system, you clearly communicate their patient financial responsibility. And you also then sort of follow our guidelines around medical account resolution so that they feel like they are treated fairly through the process. Um, And then also you work with the physicians in your network if they're not employed by you to minimize surprise billing because there was data that actually came out this week that showed that 13% of mothers who got hit with a surprise bill, if they delivered a second child, elected not to do it at the hospital where they got hit with a surprise bill. And the surprise bill may not have been the fault of the hospitals. It may have been from an anesthesiologist, say, if it was a cesarean section. So not only did you lose sort of the second delivery, but my guess is that family and their relationships probably aren't going back to that hospital due to bad experience through negative word of mouth marketing. The other piece on this from an efficiency perspective, if referrals are going to start being titrated or directed based on the total cost of care and then also per unit price. So I think you have to look at your 
number one, cost structure so that you can offer competitive prices for the services being referred, but then also to make sure that the physicians that are providing those services are practicing efficiently so that there is a lower cost of care and the care is coordinated. And I think a lot of the strategies that we've highlighted through a value project certainly shows the way to how you go about doing that, aligning with physicians and making sure the data is liquid and they have the resources analytics necessary to understand where there's excess cost to be worked out of the system and then the performance improvement capabilities necessary to do that. Given all of the scrutiny around the patient financial experience of care and certainly the either positive impact or negative impact that that could have on whether or not a patient stays loyal to the delivery system, I'd encourage our members and others to check out the resources that we have at www.hfma.org forward slash dollars. And that website contains all of the work that we've done around surprise billing, patient financial communications, price transparency, and even provides consumer guides to help educate the consumers in your market so that they're prepared for receiving care and also what comes after in terms of the, the financial process. Uh, and also just one last thing is to check if there are any particular patient uh, populations where you see this uh, taking off first. In. My initial thought is it's probably going to be millennials, because if you think about it, number one, they, at least based on survey data, seem to have a higher percentage of millennials that are undocked in the sense that 45% of them don't have a primary care physician compared to 26% of the adult population. And certainly, I've seen people debate back and forth as to whether there's any significance to this, right? Is it just because millennials are relatively younger, relatively healthy, or don't have significant health issues that they haven't attached themselves to a primary care provider and oh, that, that trend will revert to mean once they do? Or is this something that's lasting? And honestly, I don't know if it matters in a sense if you think about it, right? So, you know, Clayton Christensen, the Harvard Business School professor, who came up with the theory of disruptive innovation, he sort of predicated the theory on there's always a set of consumers in the markets whose needs are slightly different and more unique than the mainstream. They have lower service requirements, less needs, et cetera. And when you start to put that lens over it, the millennials start to look like they may be that population that typically disruptors gain a foothold in and then expand to the mass market. So there may not be an opportunity for the trend to revert to mean as millennials grow older and encounter more healthcare problems because they may have already sort of tracked themselves into an alternative way to access healthcare. Well, that is a lot of fast moving parts to consider and keep track of. So thanks a lot for joining us today in the podcast and sharing your insights, Chad. Thank you, Rich. The healthcare transformation is gaining velocity. From new startups and mergers to enormous cross-industry partnerships, change is coming. We invite you to be bold, to lead the change. Join us for the HFMA Annual Conference in Orlando this June. Get the tools you need to take action. Learn more at annual.hfma.org. Now it's time for Fast Five. Five fast facts about a hot topic in healthcare. A 2018 survey conducted by the Deloitte Center for Health Solutions finds that consumerism is having a profoundly disruptive effect on the nation's healthcare system. Here are five ways consumers are transforming healthcare in the United States. Healthcare consumers are becoming savvier shoppers. They increasingly are using reviews, ratings, and experiences from other patients to make informed decisions about where to seek care. 
In 2018, more than half of surveyed consumers said brand and reputation were important when choosing a hospital. More consumers are investigating quality information about physicians. In 2018, 23% of respondents said that they had researched a physician report card while shopping for services, up from 14% in 2015. Consumers are more engaged in their care and more focused on wellness. In 2018, three out of four consumers said they were partnering with providers to determine the most effective treatment decisions. More consumers are using technologies to evaluate their fitness and set health goals. In 2018, 42% of consumers said they used technologies such as wearables, smartphone and tablet apps, and personal medical devices or fitness monitors up from 14% in 2013. Consumers are increasingly demanding innovative ways to interact with healthcare providers. In 2018, about 30% of respondents said they were interested in using more advanced apps, virtual assistants, and live coaches to help diagnose symptoms, improve care, and improve their overall health. To read more about the impact of consumerism, read Hospitals Should Prepare for Industry Disruption by Empowered Consumers in the January 2019 issue of HFM. Voices in Healthcare Finance is a production of the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Additional reporting this week was by Rich Daly and Eric Reese. Our joke was provided by Jennifer Novoselecki. And if you want the punchline, we'll get to that in a minute. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler and Michael Shorvat. HFMA's president and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Voices in Healthcare Finance wherever you get your podcasts. We're working on some new stuff, so please tell us what you think or send us your stories at podcast at hfma.org. So Jennifer, why do dragons sleep during the day? So they can fight knights.